Welcome to Church Online, it's great to have you. If we haven't met you in person, please go to our website and just fill in the connect card there, follow the little yellow icon to do that. We'd love to see you and meet you personally, buy you a cup of coffee and have a chat. Uh, we're gonna get to our message soon. Let's have a look at what's happening at Kenmore Church. As many of you would know, we started Church Check-In so our pastoral care team can better meet the needs of our church. If you haven't already downloaded it, the app to use is Church Centre. And if you haven't already checked in, this is your friendly reminder. We'd like to thank our congregation for their generosity in giving, which allows us to fuel our various ministries. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says to honour the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You can give through direct debit or online at kenmore.church forward slash give. Mainly music starts back this week on Wednesdays at 9.30 in the morning. This is a fun music and play session for kids from zero to school age and their parents or grandparents during the school term. A cost of only $5 per family includes morning tea and there are great opportunities to meet new and old friends from the greater Kenmore community. Register online at kenmore.church. Small groups are a place where you can study the word, ask big questions and build a deeper relationship with God and your church family. Sign on Sunday is on the 13th of February at both services and is your opportunity to join a small group if you're not already in one. Head to the sign-on desk at the back of the church to sign on or for more information. And if you're interested in hosting or leading your own small group, contact Trish who will help get you started. For more information about anything that's happening at Kenmore Church, visit our website at kenmore.church or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you enjoy the service. Welcome back. If you've been following us for the last few weeks, we've had this real prophetic sense in what we've been communicating of a new thing that God's calling his people into. And with that new thing comes a requirement for new faith. And faith is a topic as old as the Christian life itself. It's the thing that Jesus really did emphasise the most when it comes to living out this walk with him. It was all about relationship, but that relationship was accessed through faith. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We may well die by faith. And so we want to look at what it means to really appropriate that faith in our life, in this very messy, transitional, disrupted life that we have. What does it mean to come back to the very core of who we are and live as people who live from God by faith? And we pick it up in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, where it says, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul here says it's not just about that initial faith that we have that places our reliance on the atoning work of Christ to pay the price for our sin that we never could. He says you need to rely on that. That's faith from the first. But the righteousness that comes from God, this gospel is a faith that is from beginning to end, from first to last, 
and everywhere in between. We live by faith the whole time. What does that look like? What is this faith? Well, we want to unpack that and really land it in our lives in an incredibly practical way uh, through this short series that we'll do. So let's look first at what is faith. Uh, you may be able to come up with a, a bit of a pat answer there, but let's look at what the scriptures say because we need to build on what it really is saying and then how we access that faith. Let's pick it up in Hebrews 11, verse 1, where it says, Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Key word there is confidence. The NIV translates it as confidence, the King James as substance. And the King James is actually probably a little bit closer to the real word. The Greek word for this confidence is hypostasis, which really means a substantive foundation, substance, something tangible and real. It's not a theory. It's, it's saying there is something I'm depending on that is real. I know it. I experience it. And because of that, my life is different. Faith is confidence. It's substance. We're standing on this thing that we have faith in. And so this substantive reality, this concrete, firm foundation becomes a guide for our life. And he's, talking, he's not talking about there what we have faith in. He's talking about faith itself. Faith is substance. Now, of course, we have faith in Christ. He's the one. He's the strong one. We're not placing any faith in faith itself or faith in ourselves. But this activation of this substantive reality of faith, we shouldn't shirk away from the fact that faith has substance. Faith has something to it. That obviously, that's leaning on the substance of who God is. But even the tangibility of faith itself is what gives us a hope to spring forward. And so we want to look at this. So what is this substance? What is this uh, stuff? Of faith. Well, I want to bring three different facets to that today, and there probably are many more, but these are the three main ones that we can really lean on from Scripture about ways that we can really uh, lock into and stand on faith. And the first, first one is grace. Grace and faith are literally joined at the hip. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that we are saved by grace through faith. So the grace that saves us is accessed through faith. So we need to be relying on this grace. Grace is freely given. Grace has no limits, and yet our faith has limits. Some people choose not to have faith and therefore don't manage to apply that grace in their life, grace for salvation or any other thing. Very interesting concept on its own. Grace defined, the word grace means God's empowering presence. And so it's saying that our salvation comes from this empowering presence of God, this grace that he gives us that we access through relying on it. Not talking about it, not theorizing it, but placing our complete reliance on this concrete thing, which is God's grace. So we've seen Ephesians 2.8 for salvation, but as we saw in Romans, Paul says we live by faith from first to last. So there are more ways we access this grace by faith. How about spiritual gifts? It says in Romans 12, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Now, see the link there again, the, the gifts of the spirit, the empowerment in your life is given by grace, but it's accessed through faith. And reading what Paul is saying there, if our faith is small, then our ability to apply that grace or appropriate that grace is proportionally as small. It's an interesting form of partnership where we have to exercise faith in the grace God offers freely and which has no limit. And this dynamic of kingdom life with us is so much as dependent on our ability to appropriate grace through faith. And so real faith is convinced and reliant on the empowering presence of God, the grace of God. Faith is reliant on this grace. 
And so this is the tangibility, the substance of what we believe. And when we believe in this way, when we really can lean on the fullness and the power of grace, the experience of that, the substance of that is renewal. He transforms, he changes us. There's something happens within. Sometimes that change is completely imperceptible and happens over a long time. Sometimes it's perceptible and happens quick. And sometimes a mixture of those two elements. But when God's grace comes into our life, he transforms and he changes us. So why don't you have a chat about that? Have a talk now, even in the chat window on the platform that we're on now. Have a talk about how has grace changed you? Grace has come into your life. You're saved. How have you changed? What impact has grace made? Bring that into the chat window and, and, and share with us the testimony of the change that's come upon your life. And as we continue this message, keep pouring in that chat. We'd love to interact and connect and understand and be encouraged by each other's transformation through grace. All right, let's move on. We've talked about the renewal that comes from the substance of God's grace. But now there's another facet, which I'm going to call God's imminence. God's imminence, his closeness, the tangibility, the substance that as Jesus promised over and over and through the Old Testament, God declared the same thing. I will be with you. I am with you. The imminence, the closeness of God. This relationship that we have leans on the, the reality that God is so close, closer than the air that we breathe all the time. And our ability then to rely on that closeness and to draw from that what that closeness brings is a true substance and foundation of faith. You see, if you dwell in the shadow of the faithful one, if you dwell that close with him, if imminence is really there, you can't help but grow in faith. And this connection with God builds that faith. So we aren't relying on us, but on the one who was right there. And so in our distracted and crazy Western world, this is one of the easiest elements of the life of faith that uh, we are separated from. We're aware of everything else except this God who is that close and yet invisible. We are too distracted. But look at what uh, Jesus says in relation to this and the, and the high priority he puts on this in John 14, where he says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, we love that last verse, which is verse 14, where he's, he's saying that you'll ask for anything in my name and I will do it. But the, the pretext for that, the condition for that is what's come before. This relationship that Jesus has with the Father, and as we see through later chapters in John where he says, I'm praying that you would be one, just as God's in me and I'm in you, that we would be one. And from that oneness and that unity, that imminence of God comes faith, as well as an understanding of what, what would God's name want done? Because we're praying in his name. And Jesus says, if you pray anything in my name, you'll have it. And it comes from that imminence and that relationship that we have for him. That's the basis. That's the qualifier of faith here. That's the substance that we have. The substance is God himself. And so we're placing faith on the imminence of God in our life. And so instead of a, an experience that's one of renewal, this one could be defined as an experience of relationship. It's relationship. God is not some impersonal force. Sometimes we can think of grace like that. We think of grace like the power of the Holy Spirit. We're talking now about the person, the relationship 
the imminence. This is the incredibly relational journey that we're on. John goes further in his own epistles in uh, John 1 verse 4, in uh, chapter 4 and verse 16, where he says, you know, we know uh, and rely on this love that God has for us. He says, we place our faith on this knowledge. So he combines the two, knowledge, which in the Greek, the word there uh, infers a dynamic relational knowledge of someone. He says, we know God and we rely on this love that he has. So their faith, the substance of faith then, comes from the direct intimacy of this relationship with God. Incredible dynamic that we have, incredible access. But you know, not all of us are relational. Some of us are left-brainers, introverts, conservative in our thinking, all that kind of thing, sensing, feeling, relationship. It all gets a bit much for us. But it's okay in some sense because God knows that those of us who think that way, and I must admit I lean that way myself, there are other pathways into accessing this uh, intimacy and grace of God. And the primary one is through God's word. And that's the third level I want to put on this uh, substance of faith. Faith comes from God's word. We can rely on what God says. In fact, if God has said it, we can have incredible faith and literally take it to the bank. If God speaks to you, if God promises something to you, if he's spoken something in his word, then you can take it to the bank. We can have faith and faith comes from God's word. Because at times I can't feel grace. Sometimes I don't feel close to God, but I can always read truth. I can always gain reality and that reality anchors my soul. It says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so by hearing God's word, it infills, instills faith. In fact, when we hear God's word, when God speaks into our heart, it brings the very faith we need to believe it. It's an incredible dynamic. It's God, God's living word. And rather than being a renewal experience or a relational experience, this is a rational experience. And there is nothing wrong with a, a rational experience. God's made our brains. He teaches us and tells us to think and to think well. So there's nothing wrong with being rational. It's just inadequate on its own. But a rational experience can lead us into a dynamic deepening of our relationship with God. Okay, let's make it stick. Let's get some application into this. How do we apply this substance of faith to our life? We can talk about this till the cows come home, and often we do, week after week. But let's land this thing. How do we apply this in our life? There's a fascinating principle that I want to bring out, and it's that of creating a vessel with our life uh, that invites God's presence to come. So an act of faith is not doing something ourselves in the hope that God will bless what we do in itself and multiply it. It's saying, now what I'm going to do with my life is create a form, create a vessel in which God can fill. Let me flesh this out for you a little bit. We use spiritual disciplines and the spiritual fathers have done now for two millennia as a way of forming their soul. A spiritual discipline can be something like solitude or sacrifice or worship. Uh, but we may have a spiritual discipline of something like love. We may feel like we need to grow in love for people. So what do we do to do that? We need God to bring his love through us. How do we do that? We create a vessel, a form that relies on God to fill it and bring his love. What's that form look like? I'll exercise the practice of love. I'll be loving towards someone, even though my limited strength can't carry it through. I can't really do much in my own strength. But by coming into alignment with what God wants to do, I'm inviting his presence, his grace to come and do what I could never do on my own and bear fruit that I could never bear. And so I can make a choice to behave in a loving way. And that can be an act of faith. And so I might have a spiritual discipline for 30 or 60 days that every day I'm going to, I'm going to do something, whether I feel it or not, 
that is loving towards other people. And what I'm doing is creating a form in faith that God will fill that with his love and then his supernatural love takes over from that. We see this illustrated in scripture in a number of ways. It was in Old Testament and new, often through things like literal vessels, through jars. Jesus' first miracle was when he changed water into wine through taking vessels full of that water and converting it. The need was there. They needed the wine and the wine literally represented the Holy Spirit in those days. And so he converted the water into wine. And so the vessels that carried one thing ended up carrying another. But when did the, when did the grace to fill those jars finish, when the jars ran out? And there's a principle at play here, and we saw this in the Old Testament through Elisha, where he commanded a widow to get all the jars that she could. And, and as she poured oil out of the one jar that she had, God would keep filling up all these jars until there were no more jars to fill. It's called capacity building. It's called making room for God, saying we're going to create a space, we're going to create a dynamic, we're going to create an environment in our own strength that requires God to come and fill it with his own presence and do what only he can do. A church service is like that. We can do nothing in our own strength, but we come together and we worship and pray and bring God's word. It creates a vessel relying on God to come and be the one who transforms people's hearts. And so what we want to do here is really land this, apply this to our life. How do you make these vessels in your life? And we can use the three forms that we talked about, grace, uh, God's eminence, and God's word. So let's start with grace. Where do you, you need to ask yourself, where do I need God's grace in my life? And when I say grace, I'm not talking specifically about forgiveness here. I'm talking about God's empowering presence. Where do I need his presence, his grace, his power to come and make a difference? And so you can start to then work it through in your own journaling, in your own prayer times, and ask yourself the question, where do I need his grace in my life? I need his peace. I need his strength. And so, and how do you create a vessel that will contain that? It's a life that chooses not to worry. It's a life that chooses not to do what only God can do and get frantic about that. It's a life of faith. What about the second one? God's, God's imminence, God's closeness. Well, how do I build that? How do I build a vessel where I can sense his closeness more? Well, I position myself to be able to listen. I position myself to be able to see. I give God those first time, that first time in my day, that first half an hour or that first hour where I sit and I'll, I'll worship and I'll meditate on him and I'll talk to him and I may even journal and then journal his responses that I sense coming through as well. I create a space that relies on God to come and fill it. You can't just make it happen on your own. God needs to come and be part of that equation, but his imminence is always there. And finally, God's word. Well, it's pretty obvious. How do you create a vessel where God speaks to you more? If you want to hear what God is saying, what do you do? You read what God has already said. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So spend time reading multiple chapters a day or read one smaller section and chew on it, journal it, process it, and let God's word permeate your heart. And what that does is that it opens up your spirit to hear more and more of his dynamic and living word. Okay, so this is something you want to spend time with and, and ask around and get some discussion going with the people that you're hopefully with there in that context where you are, is how do I create room in my life? How do I create a vessel with the limited strength that I have that creates an environment that God is welcome and invited to come and do what only God can do? It's an interesting discussion starter and a life-changing dynamic. So bless you with that and uh, we look forward to joining you for the next message next week. Bye for now.